leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Winning regulatory approval for a drug to treat obesity would seem like a great accomplishment. But for Orexogen, that's when the hard work began. After its marketing partner Takeda ended their agreement because of disappointing sales, the company found itself in the position of having to market a drug to doctors who often don't consider obesity an illness and believe willpower and discipline, not a pill, is what's needed. Orexogen's solution centered on a novel approach. The company decided to make a pitch directly to patients and connect them to telehealth-based doctors who could ensure use of the drug is appropriate and help patients avoid the embarrassment they may feel when speaking to their own doctors. We spoke to Thomas Cannell, Chief Operating Officer and President of Global Commercial Products for Orexigen, about its obesity drug contrave, its marketing strategy, and whether it represents a marketing model that others may follow. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. We're going to talk about Orexigen, its obesity drug contrave, and, and how you've crafted a marketing strategy that incorporates telemedicine and a direct pitch to patients. Let's start with the problem of obesity, though. How big a health issue is it today, and, and what's the potential market for contrave? Yeah, well, we, we see it as one of the major um, unmet needs, medical needs in the United States and one of the areas with one of the biggest treatment gap. If we just look at the um, the FDA guidance on patients that would be appropriate for therapy with prescription weight loss medicines, roughly 111 million adults in the United States qualify for weight loss medicine, and less than 3% of those patients actually get treatment. So there's a, a huge need in the marketplace and um, very few patients who are getting the treatment they need right now. There have been various approaches to developing drugs to treat obesity. Many of these have focused on how the body metabolizes fat or have sought to suppress appetite. Contrave is a combination of two widely used drugs to treat depression and addiction. How, how does Contrave work, and, and what was the thinking behind it? Yeah, so um, Contrave is a combination of two products, each of which have been on the on the market in the U.S. for over 30 years. So the nice thing is that They've been prescribed to millions of patients. There's a tremendous amount of safety information. One is naltrexone, which is actually an opioid receptor antagonist. And the other one is bupropion, which is used for conditions such as um, depression, but also um, addiction for, to smoking or to nicotine for smoking cessation. So um, 
So those two products are, are well established, but they work very differently when used in combination. And they work in two areas of the brain. First of all, they work in the hypothalamus to help reduce the hunger drive. And um, obviously, the hypothalamus, which is controls kind of sleeping, eating, and uh, water consumption, is a basic kind of survival part of the brain, it's the base of the brain. And so both naltrexone and bupropion work there to reduce the hunger drive. Um, both of these products also work in the mesolimbic reward system. That's more the midbrain, more we're getting into more of the cognitive function. And that's where we see cravings. We see um, food cravings. Um, and, and so both naltrexone and bupropion work in the, in the mesolimbic reward system to help suppress cravings. So you end up with a product that is a combination of two well-established molecules that helps to control the two parts of the appetite drive that, that patients really struggle with. One is just the basic hunger, just wanting a good solid meal. And the other is, is the cravings, which Patients tell us even when they're not hungry, it's just so hard for them to walk by the ice cream or the chocolate cake in the evening and to resist those cravings for sweet or salty food. So um, that's the mechanism. Contrave, the, the market, the, the basic research started in 2001, and um, that was the first work that kind of started to elucidate the effect on the two areas of the brain. Um, Erection was founded in 2002 based on that fundamental basic research, and um, the product's been working on this one product, this one disease state ever since. I think many people have been waiting for some kind of magic pill, eat what they want, not worry about exercise, and just take a pill and lose weight. It doesn't work that way. Contrave is intended to be used in conjunction with diet and exercise. Is that something patients generally understand? I'm, it's, it's really such an important point. There, there are so many medicines. If you think about medicines for blood pressure, for hypercholesterolemia, um, for, for so many conditions, if you just take the medicine, you'll see a significant treatment response. So if you take like the commonly used HMG coi reductase inhibitors for cholesterol reduction, those products will help patients reduce their cholesterol by 30 to 40% even if the patient doesn't do anything else different. So unfortunately, when it comes to weight loss, it's completely the opposite. And we always remind people, if you take contrave, but you don't alter your diet and exercise, it's unlikely you'll lose any weight at all. So contrave is only an adjunct once the patient has really determined the, um, the other parts of the weight loss program. So once they've determined how they're going to carefully, you know, control their diet and how they're going to carefully control their exercise. And and so we're hoping that we can get the right patient education so they see Contrave as that appropriate adjunct to diet and exercise. Uh, Takeda, which had been your marketing partner for the drug, returned rights to you last year. That left you with a marketing challenge in part because doctors don't seem to generally view obesity as a condition that requires treatment with pharmaceuticals. How, how did doctors tend to look at obesity and, and how much of a marketing challenge was that? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it was a, a real great learning experience for us. So we, we were able to, prior to taking um, back the rights in the U, you know, for Contrave in the U.S. In, in March of 2016, we were able to watch um, while the product was initially launched in the U.S. and 
And our partner had a, a huge sales force, roughly 900 representatives. They certainly did a lot of high volume promotion to those, to those positions. But what we learned very quickly is physicians are, they're just so busy, especially the primary care, family practitioners, internal medicine docs. They, a lot of them will see 30, 40, 50 patients in a day. They have an average of five to six minutes with those patients. And they're usually seeing the patient for other conditions. So doctors are very reluctant to bring up weight loss. It's not a it's not a fast conversation. And it often for patients is an emotional one. So we definitely saw that doctors were reluctant to bring up the conversation. Um, the second thing we saw was that um, often when the doctor does bring up weight loss, it, it can... Um, it can lead to to um, less than a kind of favorable interaction with the patient. So doctors will also often emphasize with the patient that there's huge health risks associated with obesity. They'll remind the patient of the risk if they're overweight of, of diabetes, heart attacks, and strokes, and these types of cardiovascular metabolic risks, um, But which is true from a scientific perspective. But from a patient perspective, um, they feel like they're being scolded. Sometimes they feel like they're being shamed. They feel like um, feelings of guilt and embarrassment come in. And it often, that interaction actually has the opposite effect and just further discourages the patient from getting the right kind of treatment. So um, what we saw was that it would need to be, uh, you know, there would be the need to be a patient support marketing campaign, which went well beyond just educating doctors. So when we got back the rights and we got ready to launch the product, we we added, in addition to a, a field force calling on doctors, we added a large patient activation component. So we started doing television advertising on, um, you know, um, on kind of the major networks and cable networks that started December 26th of, of 2016, where we launched um, through most of the digital and social media. So now you'll see us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Pinterest. And and so we tried to find as many ways as we could to help educate the patient and encourage them to talk to their doctor about appropriate therapy. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit more, but l- let me ask you about the reimbursement environment. H- how much of an issue has that been? Well, it's um roughly right now 20% of patients who get a prescription for contract will get third-party reimbursement, and so they'll get reimbursement from their health plan or or from their PBM. So 80% of the business patients pay a kind of a cash out of pocket um, mechanism, and so contract right now for those patients is $99 a month, and right now the average patient is on therapy for three to four months. So actually, even for the cash. Um, out-of-pocket patient, it, it, they consider it, if they're seeing the results they want, quite affordable and quite a reasonable price. But but we do continue to work with national health plans and PBMs and employers to increase the reimbursement rate. And for patients who have third-party reimbursement, they are able to get contrary for $40 a month. So obviously, all, all other things being equal, we would we would love to continue to help them get um, third-party reimbursement and make it part of the um, the health plan offering. One of the things that that we're doing, where we're starting to see real success with with our strategy of of improving third-party reimbursement, is we're now working 
with these health plans on what's called value-based contracts, or some people also call them risk-sharing agreements. So we're working with them and saying, we realize that um, that you and your patients need to get value for the, the reimbursement you provide for products such as weight loss products. So we're willing to really vary the price based on the patient outcome. So for patients who achieve the desired results, then the health plan would be more likely to to, to reimburse us fully. But for patients who don't achieve the desired results, we're willing to set, accept a much lower cost. And that's a, it's a very kind of cutting edge way of developing um, contract agreements between biopharmaceutical companies and the health plans and commercial insurers. And um, we, we really think it, it more represents the future of how these arrangements should be set up. So there's much more value in exchange to, for the reimbursement. And you'll hear, I think you'll hear a lot more from us in the future about those. And, and we think that'll help provide broader access to more patients. Those can be difficult uh, agreements to manage, but I take it in your case, you can set it to a, a specific weight loss goal, which would give, a, a, I would imagine, a much easier approach than in some other instances that this has been tried. Yeah, it's, it takes some um, you need a lot more data. You you need to be able to collect a lot of um, real world data in order to translate into the kind of the health and cost outcomes. And and there's different kind of levels of the relationship. So when we start a value based agreement, we will start with more simple things like are the patients achieving reasonable weight loss within a reasonable period of time. Then you can move on to more of the health and cost outcomes. You can look at things like are they starting to reduce the the need for concomitant medicines such as drugs for diabetes, for um, blood pressure, for cholesterol, and so on. And then as employers sometimes get involved in these agreements, we can also look at employee absenteeism and productivity. And so we we start slow. We, we come up with a, a very kind of simple, clear win-win agreement with the payer. And then as we gather more data, we can make it more robust and, and focus even more on what the employers and the um, healthcare plans care about. You started talking about the marketing campaign. You, you launched a marketing campaign that targeted women. What was the message and why women? Yeah, well, it's um, right now, if you, if you look at the data for all weight loss medicines, over 80% of the prescriptions are, are written for women. And, and certainly all of the market research shows that women are just more likely to go and talk to their doctor they're more likely to ask for appropriate medications. And this, by the way, isn't limited just to weight loss. We see it in many other categories as well. And um, and so, and they're much more, women are much more likely to, to follow through and fill their prescription and, and stay on therapy and everything. So it ends up being over 80% of our, of our market in terms of prescriptions. But actually, we even have market research that shows that men who start taking weight loss medicines were strongly influenced by women in, in their lives, be it a family member or, or a friend or whatever. And so so not only are, do women represent 80% of the prescriptions, they represent even a greater percentage of the total healthcare decision rate making around weight loss. Uh, as part of this effort, you've taken an unusual marketing approach by bypassing the traditional role of the patient's physician through a telemedicine effort that began as a pilot program in Texas and California. This provides consultations with online doctors and the privacy of home delivery. This is a, a first-of-a-kind marketing effort. 
what was the thinking here? Yeah, it's and we don't really think of it at all as bypassing the traditional physician. We're we're hopeful whenever possible that um that patients will see their their usual primary care physician and talk to them about appropriate therapy. Um if you go onto our website, um you can see that if you have a doctor, you can print off a discussion guide so you can have a productive interaction with that doctor. Also on our website, you'll see that there's a find a doctor function. So if you want to see a doctor face to face, we'll We'll provide that option, but we we did a lot of market research to show that there are really several categories of women who are, who are just very reluctant to see physicians face to face, and it's for some of the reasons I mentioned before about the fact that it wasn't always a positive interaction. And so, um, so for those women that are are unwilling to go see a, a physician face to face to talk about weight loss, we find that. That they're they're very willing to do it on the phone or via a, a video online consult. They 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 the market research kind of shows that they feel more comfortable. They feel that having that interaction via telemedicine puts them more on a level playing field. They're not having to go to the doctor's office. They're able to do it from the comfort of their own home. And and so. Um, the market research showed that there there are a lot of untreated patients without access to good high quality um, interactions um, who would really benefit from a telemedicine offering. Well, how has the pilot program performed, and and what have you learned from it? And is it being expanded well, it's, elsewhere? It's 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 been very positive feedback. So we um as you mentioned in, in December of 2016 we launched in two states, Texas and California. That went very well. In the May timeframe, we expanded our pilot. We're now available in 46 states in the United States. And um, all of those you can find very quickly by going on Get Contract now on our website. Um, the, the market research shows that patients report a much better experience via telemedicine than, than through their traditional, you know, interactions with physicians. We, we have measures such as net promoter score, which tells us the likelihood of um, recommending that telemedicine experience to a friend or colleague, and, and the, they give higher net promoter scores for the telemedicine channel than for the face-to-face channel. We um, we're now seeing we're now filling roughly 500 prescriptions a week through our, our telemedicine and home delivery channel. So we're really starting to see um, a you know a steady kind of increase in the volume, and that's despite the fact that we're not actually directly advertising telemedicine home delivery. Patients actually have to kind of come to us and find it on our website in order to even explore it. So at this point, those seem to be very good volumes, and and we're delighted by the um, very positive experience and the quality of experience for patients. Now, what's the plan on building that going forward? Are you looking beyond the United States? Well, yeah. So that's a we um, we have been um, as as we've talked about. We have now partnered with other companies in um, 48 countries outside of the United States and to make Contrave and what we call in some countries my Simba available. So we've now launched in 17 countries outside the United States and we have planned to have launched in over 30 countries by the end of the first quarter of 2018. In some of those markets, there are telemedicine capabilities that either exist or that are being developed. And so we're working closely with some of our partners to make that offering available. You'll see in some parts of Europe, I'm 
a little more common, like um, the Nordic countries and so on, that there are starting to be telemedicine capabilities. And so I don't know exactly when the timing being will, will be, and we'll work closely with our partners, but I think it'll be a service that will um, continue to grow outside of the U.S. And, and do you see this as, as a solution to a very particular marketing challenge you face, or do you think this is a model other companies will adapt for, for other types of drugs? Yeah, I think that there are, I think any time that you have a situation where the patient is feels embarrassed or feels uncomfortable talking about the condition with a physician, and any time you'd have a, a situation where they'd just be more comfortable having that discussion on the phone, I think... Um, there's a lot of conditions of depression, insomnia, erectile dysfunction that would also fit in that same category. So I think the subset of patients who just are more comfortable with the interaction being via telemedicine, the face-to-face, I think we'll see those types of therapeutic areas grow. But what we're seeing is even even for patients that are comfortable either way, the, the, the convenience of the interaction, I think, um, as you know, the average patient that goes to see their doctor will will spend two to three hours from the time they leave their house to the time they get home between parking and waiting and everything. Um, most of our patients are able to go through the whole process and talk to the doctor within 30 minutes. So so if you're a busy mom and you're a working mom with a couple of kids, that, that time is at a premium. And I think that would apply to all disease areas, to, to many different therapeutic areas. And then the other thing is just the immediacy. Usually, you can you can talk to a doctor right away. Whereas in in many states, if you call to schedule an appointment with a primary care doc, it'll take a month or two before they're able to see you. So for patients who make that resolution and that that micro moment, as they say in marketing, and they're committed to lose weight now, they really appreciate the immediacy of the telemedicine experience. It is interesting. We just, a report just came out saying that Kaiser Permanente, which is out here in Southern Cal, one of our biggest um, staff model HMO healthcare plans, over 50% of their interactions with patients is now via telemedicine. And so it's really with, with high quality organizations, telemedicine is becoming very mainstream. Tom Cannell, Chief Operating Officer and President of Global Commercial Products for Orexigen. Tom, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.